on Mount Zion. I'm going to start reading in verse 6 and read down to verse 12 what I'm going to deal with this evening. If if the Lord would enable me to. And I saw another angel fly in the midst of heaven, having the everlasting gospel to preach unto them that dwell on the earth, and to every nation and kindred and tongue and people, saying with a loud voice, Fear God, and give glory to Him, for the hour of His judgment is come. And worship him that made heaven and earth and the sea and the fountains of water. And there followed another angel saying, Babylon is fallen, that great city, because she made all nations drink of the wine of the wrath of her fornication. And the third angel followed with them saying with a loud voice, If any man worship the beast in his image and receive his mark in his forehead or in his hand, The same shall drink of the wine of the wrath of God, which is poured out without mixture into the cup of his indignation. And he shall be tormented with fire and brimstone in the presence of the holy angels and the presence of the Lamb. And the smoke of their torment ascended up forever and ever. And they have no rest day or night who worship the beast in his image. Whosoever receiveth the mark of his name. Here is the patience of the saints. Here are they that keep the commandments of God and the faith of Jesus. <clears throat> you know, over in Revelations 11 and verse 12, God said, Come up hither. And the believers are described as ascending up into heaven on a cloud. You can look at that at your own leisure, but that's what it says. He said, God said, come up hither. And all the saints arose in a cloud up into heaven. And then, here in verse 12, it takes us back to what was going on before the judgment day. You know, it's about the great dragon and his beast. And all the awful things that the beast did and all the false prophets and all the things that they said had blasphemy on his name, on his head and had all them horns and showing how ferocious, how mean, how cruel they are. And so the two beasts and the dragon. But now we're back where we're in heaven again. We're in heaven started out over in chapter 11 verse 12. Everything that was going on between that time And now we're going back to heaven. We're going back to where we was when we was taken up. And look what it says there in verse 5. They were redeemed, of course, from among the men on the earth. And in their mouth was found no God. They were honest people. God-honoring people. Didn't have any guile. They didn't have any put on. Didn't have any sham religion. What they said about Christ was real. What they said about Christ was true. What they believed about Christ is right. What they believed about Him is true. God Himself taught them so they had no guile. 
No deceit. No deceit. It's awful. It's awful to be deceived. But it's even worse to be deceived in yourself. I don't want to be deceived. I don't want to be deceived. I want to know Christ. I want to be found in Christ. I want to stand before God today like I'll stand before Him in eternity in Christ. I want to stand where I before God right now where I'll stand when I face Him in the righteousness of Christ believing the gospel of the grace of God given us in Christ. And that's why there's no guile in their mouth. No guile in their mouth. And then not only, not only that but listen to this. And they are without fault before the throne of God. <laughs> now they're in heaven now. And God says they're without fault before the throne and before God. Before the throne of God. Oh my, I could find fault with me. I have no problem finding fault with me. And anything you think about me or anything you say about me, you ain't even, you ain't scratched the surface yet. <laughs> and anything you say would be true because if I haven't done it, I thought it. So you know, we can't take offense at what people say about us or do to us because we're without fault before God. Without fault before God. And now we return to all the things that come before Christ's coming. Now there's three angels. Christ's going to come back again. Here it tells us in the latter part of this chapter. But there's three angels here. And all three of those angels have voices. They speak voices of warning. I read about three angels. There's a voice of an angel there. I saw another angel fly with a voice. In verse 8, there followed another angel saying. And then verse 9, and the third angel. So there's three angels here. And they've all got something to say. They have one purpose. One purpose, and they're warning mankind respecting the judgment to come of God's judgment and that men may turn to God Himself in true faith and turn away from themselves and from their sin. And look what the first angel says. And I saw another angel fly in the midst of heaven. He's flying and he's right in the middle of heaven having the everlasting gospel to preach unto them that dwell on the earth and to every nation and kindred and tongue and people. Now when he calls it the everlasting gospel and he talks about an angel now we know that angels God never used an angel to preach the gospel not one time did he use an angel to preach the gospel not one time can you find it God he used angels he used angels but he never used one to preach the gospel and so when it talks here about the gospel being preached the eternal gospel this is symbolic or a picture of the preachers that God sends. And he sends them with one gospel. 
one gospel. And I want to show you that. You keep this and look over in Galatians chapter 1 with me. Galatians chapter 1. You know, I was telling the men before, back in the service, I was looking at Schofield's Bible, looked it up on the internet, and looked it up on my phone, really. And he got seven dispensations. And he has seven gospels. And I don't know which one of the gospels that he believes, but I know this. And God don't have seven dispensations in this world. He has, does everything he does on purpose. He declared the end from the beginning and from ancient times and things that are not yet there. Then said, all my counsels shall stand. God does things on purpose. Everything that happened from eternity to the eternity is everything is purposed. Salvation was purposed. Christ was purposed. The Word was purposed. Holy Spirit's purpose. My salvation's purpose. Everything that happened happens on purpose. There's no accidents. And so listen, here he comes and he talks about this everlasting gospel. There's no place in this blessed book where you cannot find but one gospel. One. And God himself defines that gospel. He said it concerns his son. And he said he promised it from ancient times he promised it in the prophets and our Lord Jesus Christ when he preached himself he preached himself he says you know I when you read Moses he's talking about me when you read the prophets they're talking about me when you read the Psalms he's talking about me talking about me and if we can't find Christ in the scriptures we're not looking at it right and I tell you, beloved, and this is what I'm t- what I'm trying to say is this: that the gospel has always been everlasting. God is an eternal God, and everything He does, He does on the basis of eternity. So if He's got a gospel, the gospel's got to be like Himself. It's got to be eternal. Did God God make us a lamb slain from the foundation of the world? And I talked about that lamb this morning. So if God provided us a lamb before the foundation of the world, that means he had a gospel for us before Christ ever come into this world. Ain't that right? And the gospel means good news. Good news. And all of what good news that God provided a lamb. What good news that God's come to seek and to save sinners. What good news that Christ went to a cross and bore the sins of all of these people in his own body there. What good news that we are made the righteousness of God in Christ. What good news that we're justified by faith that Christ was delivered for our offenses and raised for our justification. Now what in the world's justification? That means that God in heaven himself says, I justify them people. Nobody can charge them for nothing. The justification takes place in heaven where God says, I justify them people. Why do they say, I justify them? How's come? Because my son bore their offenses. And they believe him, they trust him. And so I'm going to justify them. Well, I've seen this about them. They're justified. Well, the law says, 
they're justified. Their heart says they're justified. This they said this. Don't you bear bring a thing against them. They're justified. Who's that thief condemneth? It's God that justifies. Huh? When we're talking about the gospel, we're talking about the everlasting gospel. Now, I said we was in Galatians. Ain't that where we're supposed to be? I want you to look here with me. In verse 6. This is a this is an amazing thing. I marvel, I stand I stand in absolute marvel that you're so soon removed from him that called you into the grace of Christ unto another gospel. So what he's telling you is here you leave Christ, you leave your own hope. And what she says now, which is not another. There's not another gospel. But there be some that trouble you, come to you and really, really trouble you, and listen to this, and would pervert the gospel of Christ. We always hear about perverts. I tell you, whoever perverts the gospel, I'd rather, listen, I I heard Henry say one time, I'd rather my son be a bartender than be a free will Baptist preacher. More chance. There's more. It wouldn't be near the condemnation. And what he's talking about here, when a man perverts the gospel, what does it take to pervert the gospel? And add that much, add that hair's breadth to Christ and you perverted the gospel. Take away anything from Christ and you perverted the gospel. You take away anything from the righteousness of Christ and you, you, add, the, you add one thing that you do to what Christ did and you pervert the gospel. You know what you have to do to fall from grace? Just add one thing to what Christ did. That's all it takes. Well, they fell from grace. Well, the only way you'll ever fall from grace if you're really saved by Christ if your wife's named Grace and you fall out of bed. <laughs> <laughs> that, 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 you know, I didn't mean to be funny, but that's the truth. God's people ain't going to fall from grace. They're not going to another gospel. When God teaches you the gospel, I tell you what, there ain't nobody going to get you away from it. If there's an old Barnard used to say, if there's truth on this earth, I'm going to find it, and when that man's telling it, I'm going to sit right down there and listen to what he's got to say. And look what he goes on to say. He said, they pervert the gospel. But look what he says here in verse 8 now. And this is what we're talking about. But though we or an angel from heaven, I mean if an a- me or an angel from heaven preach any other gospel than that we have preached unto you, listen to this now, let him be cursed. Oh my. As I said before, so say I now again, if any man preach any other gospel to you, then that you have received, let him be accursed. Oh, I tell you, the gospel. God was the first one to preach the gospel in the scriptures. So I tell you, the gospel. And I tell you, this is like this is the angels. And then you know, and here we're called. We we're called. We have a calling from heaven, and it's a heavenly calling. And we're calling men 
from sin to Christ so that they can go to glory and be with Christ. We've got a heavenly message. A heavenly message. Peter says this. He says, he said, receiving the end of our faith, even the salvation of our souls. The goal of our faith, the end of our faith, when we get to the end of it, you know what's going to happen? We're going to spend eternity with Christ. There'll be an end to faith one of these days. We won't need it anymore. But he says, when we receive the end of our salvation, our end of our faith, salvation, he says, he said that we are, we're looking at the angels, and everybody in the prophets, they inquired, they looked through the scriptures, inquired diligently, looked in the Bible, reading through the scriptures, see when Christ would come, and the glory that Christ would have, and they preached the gospel sent that by the Holy Spirit that was sent down from heaven. They're looking for what we got. They're searching for what God's taught us. They was looking when Christ would come. They're looking for what how much glory it had when he got here. And that's what Isaiah was doing. They're looking. And then when they heard it and learned it, they said, we preach the gospel with the Holy Ghost sent down from heaven. They tell one. <laughs> oh boy. And then look what it says here. And they come to preach to them that dwell on the earth. <laughs> Sit on the earth. And I, listen to this now. You know wherever you go, whatever language you got, Whatever nation you live in, whatever your kindred is, or anything else, they got there's, there's one gospel for, them. huh? One gospel. If I I've been to Mexico several times. Oh my! You preach the gospel down there, and them them Mexicans as they've been interpreted to them, they'll start crying and they'll start rejoicing. They'll start saying Amen. <laughs> I tell you, I'd, I wish I could speak Chinese. I'd go to China and preach. But wherever I go, I, this is the thing. Wherever you go, whatever language you got, God's got somebody there to preach the gospel to. He'll have somebody. If he's got an elect there, if he's got sheep there, he's going to send somebody to get them. Ain't that right? And then, <clears throat> you know, the men who are on the earth now, dwell on the earth, that's why we preach the gospel to them. Because men on this earth right now, we've warned them about the judgments to come. It's like Noah. He was a preacher of righteousness. And he kept saying, judgment's coming. But you know, the scriptures tells us very plainly that as it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be in the days of the coming of the Son of Man. What was it like in the days of Noah? It said over in Matthew 24, it said they were eating and drinking. We all eat. We all drink. I ate today. You ate today. We drank coke. We drank water. We drank something. Eating and drinking. Nothing wrong with that. And they were marrying and giving in marriage. And what they were doing is they were so charmed by the world and so delighted by the world and so interested in their fleshly appetites, so interested in what they were doing, 
It's like that, like that fellow said, listen, I can't come because I married a wife. And that's, you know, and that's what people do now. And so they go about, and, they knew, and the scripture says, and they knew not until the flood came. They knew not. And that's what he's talking about here. You go preach the gospel to these people. Because they're indifferent, they're unconcerned, they're listless, they're easygoing, they're careless. There ain't nothing wrong with marrying. Nothing wrong with giving in marriage. But when your life is taken up with nothing but this life, it's going to be awful. Men will be taken up with this world and its charms and won't know their danger. Don't have a clue what their danger is until it's too late. And we preach the eternal gospel always in hope that somebody is going to hear it. Somebody's going to believe it. Huh? Oh, there's people here that I preach to all the time. I just keep praying, keep hoping, keep trusting that one of these days they say, I heard it! I got it. I see it. My whole family, that's where they're at. They're, at, they're, just, they're just like they was in the days of Noah. They get up in the morning, drink their coffee, go about their day. God don't enter their brains. People sitting further phones or further computers and everything and they just don't think about God. You go out here and you see all this traffic running up and down the road, you know, up and down the road. These people, where are they going? What are they doing? They certainly ain't coming to hear the gospel. Oh my. Well, he said, here's what he said. Verse 7. This angel said with a loud voice. He said, I want people to hear what I got to say. Here's the first thing he says. Fear God. <laughs> Fear God. Oh my. Give glory to Him. Oh, that's what the gospel tells us. That's what the gospel teaches us. Fear God. Give Him all the glory. Attribute everything to Him. To Him be the glory. Huh? And look what it says. Give glory to Him. Why? Because it's the right thing to do. And this is why. Because His judgment is the hour of His judgments to come. And I mean it's coming. I mean it's coming fast. And look what it says. And worship Him. Worship. We come here. Sweet Shirley and I was talking about this earlier today. We don't come here to have a good time. We don't come here to have fun. We don't come here to be entertained. We don't come here to be made to feel good. We come here to worship God. To worship God in Christ. To hear what God has to say to us. And by God speaking to us, we can leave here and say, I heard from the Lord today. And go home and be thankful. And we come to worship. We come to adore. We come to bow down. We come to enjoy. We come to delight. 
We come to enjoy Christ, His gospel, His grace, His mercy, His patience, His long-suffering. We come to worship Him, to give Him all the glory. He, oh God, you got the glory. Why? Because He's the one that made the earth. He's the one that made the heavens. And He's the one that made the sea. And He's the one that made the fountains of the earth. Oh my, He's got it all. (laughs) And what we got, He gave to us. Oh boy, bless His name. Bless His name. Then He says, The hour of His judgments come. No one who continues in unbelief will escape. For the Lord's people, this is a day that the Lord has made for us. It's eternal good tidings. We have eternal good tidings. It'll mean our final and full salvation. Be plumb saved. Plumb saved. Boy, would that be a day. Well, plumb saved. <laughs> Oh, plum saved. Plum saved. Now look what he said in the second angel. Look what the second angel says. They're warning now. The second angel says this. And there followed another angel saying, Babylon is fallen, that great city, because she made all nations drink of the wine of the wrath of her fornication. Oh my, he just got one thing that he says about Babylon is fallen. Babylon is fallen. That great city, that great city, she's fallen. She's made everybody drunk in her wine of her fornication, spiritual fornication. Now when you think about Babylon, go back with me, everybody knows what Babylon is. Babylon was a great, huge city. God sent Israel into captivity into Babylon. Nebuchadnezzar come down and got them. Come down and brought them all. Brought them in. And everybody that was anybody up there, they just assimilated into the Babylonian culture and language. But you remember, there's four men that didn't. Four men that was not impressed by Babylon, by its king, by its glory, by its power, by its great everything. They were not impressed. Daniel. They said, You got to eat what we tell you to eat. Daniel said, I ain't going to eat it. Okay. They made a great statue. Said, Daniel, you got to go down that. I ain't going to do it. And if anybody prays to anybody but the God we got over here said, if we catch them praying, then we got to throw them to the, to the lions. Daniel opened up his window and he prayed every single morning, noon, and night. Finally they said, well, Daniel's time to go to the lion's den. He went to the lion's den. He, Babylon did not impress him a bit. They put him in the lion's den. King came over and looked, peeked over in there and said, Daniel, you all right? He said, yes, my Lord, come. Shut the mouths of the lion. He lay, He used them for pillars. <laughs> and then there's three other ones. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. 
They made that great statue. Bow down, bow down. Anybody don't bow down to this statue. We're not going to do it. Oh, listen, they run told King, said, them fellas there, said, they're causing us trouble. They're going to make trouble for everybody in town. If you don't get them fellas, to, we'll have a house. Everybody will rebel against us if you don't deal with them fellas. And they took old Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and they got a big furnace. And they heated that furnace, and heated that furnace, and heated that furnace, and heated that furnace, and kept on going till it got seven times hotter. And the fellas that opened that furnace to throw them in, it killed them. But they throwed them in that furnace. And they looked in there, and they said, whoa, somebody's walking around in there with them. <laughs> What I'm telling you is Babylon has fallen. It's always been fallen to us. But the world, you know, everything now is based on globalism. Globalism. And the world's got to be as one. Everybody, we got to all mix and mingle because, you know, we can't live without one nation, can't live without this part, that part. Everything's got to be all one. That's Babylon. And I'll tell you why she's got her wine and she's forgot God and she's so impressed everybody in the world and all the billionaires and billionaires and all the people and she just keep pouring out that wine, pouring out that wine and they get drunk on it. And this world's drunk on the wine of Babylon. Uh, I can show you that. I can show you that. And uh, I think it's Isaiah 24. Yeah, look in Isaiah 24. I looked at this before. I'll show you something here. Look here what it says about the world. Twenty four twenty. Isaiah twenty four twenty. <laughs> oh my, that great city. Oh, it seduces people. This great city seduces people. People say, I gotta go, I gotta move from here and go someplace else to do this and do that and do the other thing. I can't find a good job unless I go up into this great big city. And look what it says right now. The earth shall reel to and fro like a drunkard, and shall be removed like a cottage, and the transgression there shall be heavy upon it, and it shall not fall. It shall fall and not rise again. Ah, drunk like a drunk man. That's what the world is like that. And these nations drink of the passion. And I tell you, men are con con constantly warned about these things. Constantly warned. And then look what the third angel says. Oh my. I know, I know folks that's drunk on the wine of this world over Babylon. I mean, they're just drunk on it. Drunk on it. Mm. Drunk on it. I'm telling you, they're drunk on how much money they make. Drunk on the kind of cars they have to drive. Drunk on the clothes they have to wear. They can't wear clothes like you and I wear. They gotta wear, they gotta wear a shirt that costs two or three, four hundred dollars. They gotta wear suits that cost ten thousand dollars. They gotta wear shoes that cost you twelve, fifteen thousand dollars. 
You say there's people like that. Oh yeah, there's lots of people like that. There's people lives in houses I couldn't pay the taxes on, couldn't pay the light bill. <laughs> oh boy, they drunk on the wine of this thing. Don't you do that. Don't you get drunk on this on this world. Don't get drunk on the world. Don't do it. It's not worth it. It's already fallen. It's already fallen. Oh, what well, Scott? You was, you had a car one time. You used to tell me about it. Uh, uh, Firebird or something, wasn't it? Firebird. You was out there shining it up and polishing it up. Scott walked by and said, "You know, God's gonna burn that thing up one of these days." <laughs> you sold it, didn't you? <laughs> and that's the truth. He gonna burn it all up. Gonna burn it all up. Oh, but I tell you, I wanna. When he comes, I won't be with him. Yes, yeah. Like the girl saying, "I'm going home. I'm going home. I'm going home." And then look what the third angel says. And the verse nine, the third angel followed them, saying with a loud voice. If any man worship the beast, now the beast, remember, that first beast was the one that had blasphemy on his head. Second beast was the false prophet. And if any man worship the beast, worship that false prophet, worship that one who blasphemes the name of God and his image, and receive his mark in his mind, that forehead represents the mind, the understanding, or in his hand, that means with what he does, what he's doing. Well, he said, this is what's going to happen. And he says with a loud voice, he says in no uncertain terms, he said, he's using solemn language here. He's using solid language. The same shall drink of the wine of the wrath of God, which is poured out without mixture into the cup of his indignation. And he shall be tormented with fire and brimstone in the presence of of the holy angels in the presence of the Lamb. Those that are attached to this world are going to perish with the world. Our Lord said you can't serve God and mammon. Serve Satan, you're going to have to suffer with Satan. You live without Christ, the consequences are going to be dying without Christ. Men cannot sin and get away with it. And he says the same that has this mark of the beast. The same. The same. We talked there a minute ago about perverting the gospel. The false prophet, that's what he does. The same. The same ones shall drink. Now there they've drunk the wine of the fornication of Babylon. Now here God says they're going to drink the wine of the wrath of God. And he said, it's poured out with, there's no mixture to it. A pure wrath, pure anger. Unmixed, unmixed, unmitigated. And this, these people, they're going to be tormented, tormented with fire and brimstone. Now look where he says it's going to happen out. Oh, in the presence of the holy angels. And right in the very presence of the Lamb of God himself. 
He said, that God says, the lamb said, this is all right. God's just to deal with men like this. Here on this earth, there's kindness. There's long-suffering. God is good. There's still rain that falls on the just and the unjust, on the good and the evil, while you're here. God's patience, God's long-suffering is still here, still on this earth. Still here to call men, manifest itself to men. But boy, boy, when that judgment comes, nothing but wrath and being tormented, 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 continually. Because it's in their presence, the angels and the Lamb. You know why they agree with it? Because the punishment is just. God's punishment is just. Then in verse 11, and this judgment never ends. Look what it says here. And the smoke of their torment. See, fire and brimstone's there now. And the smoke of their torment ascendeth up forever and ever. It goes up just in the presence of God forever and ever. And listen to this. And they have no rest day nor night who worship the beast in his image, and whosoever receiveth the mark in his head. You know, that's vivid language. You consider the things that people say about God. Consider the things that people say about his son. Consider the things people say about his word. And you'll understand why God does what He does to people. Look in Reve- Look in over here in chapter 9, verse 20. You think God's not just to punish people? Listen here. You know, whatever He does with my children, He's going to be just. Whatever He does with yours, He's going to be just. We hope, we hope that God regards our children like He did Jacob. But he may, he may, he may let you have an Esau. He might. He very well may. He may. I hope he don't. I wouldn't want one of my children to be an Esau. But if that's what God wills, that's where it'll be. And I won't. What am I going to say about it? What can I say about it? What can Esau say about it when God said, I love Jacob and Esau, I don't want nothing to do with you. That's what makes him God. And that's what makes us people that we're absolutely and utterly dependent on him. That's what makes him God. Oh, you all are so blessed. Elder, you're so blessed your children here. You and Steve, you're all so blessed to have your children, all of them converted. The only thing that you can attribute that to is God and His grace. That's the only thing you can attribute it to. Your children's no different than anybody else's, but God had mercy on them. God did. Ain't that something? 
And the preacher ain't got a person in this family that attends the worship of God. Not one. But Scott was that way with his four boys, wasn't he? But God's going to do just exactly what's right. With me, you, our sons, our daughters, our children, our grandchildren. Look what it said here in verse 20 of Revelations 9. And the rest of the men which were not killed by those plagues, yet repented not of the works of their hands. They didn't even say, I'm sorry, Lord God forgive me. And they, they did not repent that they worshiped devils and idols of gold and silver and brass and stone of wood which neither can see nor hear nor walk. They didn't repent. Neither repented they of their murders nor of their sorceries nor of their fornications nor of their thefts. Don't you think God would be just in punishing those people? And that's what he is. He says, oh, I don't. One thing I am so thankful for, and this is what the gospel tells us. I've done been judged. I've done been to God's judgment. Done been judged. And walked out of the courtroom. Nobody say anything against me. <laughs> Why? Because Christ stood for the judge, took my place, and I walked out. <clears throat> oh, Lord Jesus, oh, our Savior, our blessed, blessed Master, our Lord, our God. Oh, Lord, we get at a loss sometimes when we think about you. And when we hear of what it's going to happen to those who don't repent, who don't turn to you, and who don't believe you, and don't trust you. It's a fearful thing. Fearful thing. And Lord, I pray that you'd bless the gospel to our hearts, to our understandings. Make it alive and real and vital to us. For Christ indeed is our life. He is our life. And Lord, bless those who don't have that life of Christ, don't know that life of Christ. Bless them, O oh Lord God, to see it, to believe it, to embrace the Lord Jesus Christ. He'll never put anybody off that comes to Him. Or oh, never been a soul that's ever come to Him with outstretched hands, with nothing in them, with a heart sorrowful, for the way it is. It comes to you for a new heart. comes to you for a new mind. comes to you to know you. Oh Lord, we'll never cast them away. Father, save you people in this place. Bring your glory to yourself through the preaching of the gospel and the salvation of your people. We ask these things in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. To God be the glory, great things he hath done, great things he hath taught us. What's that, 49, 449? Okay. You lead that for us, would you?